the Lord. We've been talking about change, 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 and um, we realize that there are some things that we can change, but there are some things that only God can change. Whatever God has given us the grace to change, I have realized that God no longer does anything about them. Because when God gave man the authority, he gave me and you a will, and that will allows me to change the things that are within my control. For example, somebody says, I have too big an appetite, and I'm waiting on God to cut my appetite. But then, unfortunately, if you wait on God to cut your appetite, your appetite may remain uncut forever. Because God does not cut appetites. God gives men the grace to do the things that they need to do. The way you cut your appetite is that when you go to the store, you cut it from there. You don't buy the things that you need. They're the things that you know you shouldn't be eating. Somebody said, Pastor, one of the problems I have is that I have these things in my house. I said, congratulations. Those things don't grow in your house. Somebody buys them and brings them to the house. So if you stop buying them, then it means you stop eating them. It's logical, right? Now, secondly, we, want, we talked about attitude, which is something that you have no choice but to change you. Because God gives everybody a level playing ground. And so the difference is that I work on my attitude and by the grace of God I get further. Not because God gave me any extra advantage, but because I opened my eyes, I opened my ears and I opened my mind and I realized that my attitude determines the way people react to me. A lot of times we think that it is people's attitude that is bad. Sometimes we need to first of all look inwards and I gave you some examples. Now, sometimes you get to a place and their attitude is determined by how you approached them. Amen? For example, if you belong to a particular class and somebody comes to your office and they go straight to the point, immediately your attitude changes because they did not greet. There are some people like that. Amen? I remember long, 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 long time ago now, it was very strange to me that when you say good morning to somebody, the person says hi. And sometimes I will repeat it four times. I will say, I said good morning. And the person will say hi. And I say, no, I said good morning. After some time, I abandoned my good morning. And so I greet the way I greet and I move on. Because I don't want anybody to spoil my day just because they don't greet the way I greet. For the longest time also I realized, because when you ask somebody, how are you? Before you finish the word you, they say good. And I wondered, what does it really mean? Is a prepared answer. But then I realized that there are some things I don't have the power to change. Amen? So just, just to let you know that there are some things you cannot change in other people, but what you do is to change what you can control. And so we talked about that. And then we went ahead and talked about you believing specifically, not only in God, not only in everybody else, but believing in yourself. And I remember telling people that um, when you believe in yourself, then the thing that God says you can do, you begin to do it. 
Because either you like it or not, there's a passage in scripture in the book of Hebrews. It says, therefore, do not throw away whose confidence? Your confidence. And that confidence that you have could be in the word of God, could be in the fact that you can scale a mountain, could be in the fact that through you God can do great things. That confidence is what propels you as a child of God. It takes confidence, not just in the name of God, but in yourself to do the things that God wants you to do. Today I will go to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. It is a psalm that we all know. Most of us can probably recite it without looking. One of those psalms that um, if you grew up in my generation, your parents will make sure that you know. And I know it. Psalm 1. Let's open it together. Just for the benefit of those that may not. I mean, if you don't know where Psalms is, just open to about 40% of your Bible from the beginning. And you will find it. Psalm 1. Somebody says, what page? And my Bible is on page 421. If that helps you. Psalm 1. I want us to read it together. One, two, go. Blessed is the man that walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. The ungodly are not so. Men know the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly perish. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. This morning I want to talk briefly on the subject, just for about 20, uh, the next 30 minutes, that you need to change your camp. You need to change what? Your camp. And when we talk about changing your camp, we are talking about changing your company. And when we talk about company, we are talking about your associations. And when we are talking about associations, I will try to define them in the three different ways that the Bible introduces us to them. Most of us have about three different kinds of associations generally in life. And it has been proven over and over again, and the Bible says it very explicitly. It says, bad communications corrupt good manners. And the Bible also says that he that walks with the wise shall be wise. The story is often told that if you are a leader and you have lions, if you are all lions and you put a goat to lead them, that what ends up happening is that those lions begin to think, act, and behave as what? A goat. But if you put a lion to lead goats, then you might be creating a problem. Because those goats begin to think like lions. And so when they see a giraffe, a goat goes after it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. But what I'm trying to tell you is that 
Your associations determine the way you think. Your associations determine the way you act. And your associations invariably determine how far you go. I don't know how many of you have noticed it. For some reason, for some reason, rich people move with rich people. I don't know if you've noticed it. I don't know if you've noticed it. Even when you are in school, and I don't know, maybe this was only my own school, the very top students, you don't see them being very close friends to the last students. They can be casual friends. But they are not the same people that, we, that they will go together everywhere they go. And so because of that, we need to understand that your camp and the people you move with, and like I said, I will define it in three different ways, will determine where you get to. Now, what do I mean by that? The Bible says in verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man, and then it gives three different things. It talks about walking, it talks about standing, and it talks about sitting. Those three things are in the order of progression. And I'll give you a quick synopsis, and I'll go into some of the things I'll talk about. When you walk and you meet somebody on the way, the tendency is that it's a temporary relationship that you have. You will talk, you will greet, you will say the things you need to say, and then you do what? You move on. Depending on the level of relationship you have with that person, you may not come across that person for a long time again. Yes or no? Good. That is walking. So when the Bible says, blessed is man that walks not. Now, walking can be extended to mean that both of you will agree that you will meet at certain places and then you will go together to a place. That's, we are still working together, right? Now, the Bible then talks about, blessed is the man that does what? That does not stand. Meaning that you are now extending it. It's occasionally, I remember in those days, and don't, don't quote me on this. When you get a stop sign, it says stop, right? And I remember that somebody was trying to crack a joke once, and it wasn't funny, because the police stopped the person and said, you didn't stop. And the person said, no, I stopped. The sign did not say wait. The sign said stop. Now let's define stop. And the policeman just said, just go. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So when the Bible says, blessed is the man that stands not, you have to define what is stand. Standing means a progression of your walking where both of you now are discussing issues and coming to agreements. It's a deeper form of relationship than, than walking. Then you get to sitting. And it is interesting, when I was thinking about this sitting, I thought about Jesus Christ. You will notice that every single time that you heard that Jesus went to somebody's house, the Bible says, and he sat at table. I don't know how many of you noticed that. 
And sometimes you will say, oh, they will criticize him that not only did you walk, you stood, you came, and you sat. Then he will announce, oh, I came to sit because salvation has come to this house. The reason Jesus was sitting was because everything he did, he did to be permanent. Sitting is a permanent state of affairs when it comes to relationships. Most of us don't ordinarily sit with people we don't agree with. If you have a choice. Are we together? The people that we sit with are the people that we agree with and that we eat with. And so when the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walks not, that stands not, and that sits not, the Bible is talking about what kind of camp will you be found in? Are you going to be found in the camp of the wicked, the camp of the sinners, or the camp of the scornful? Those three things are all-encompassing, and I will try to break them down here. Number one, when you walk, it can mean to pass by or to move along. And you can notice that there are so many different areas of Scripture where the Bible uses the word to walk. I already mentioned the Bible says, He that walks with the wise shall be wise. It says, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Now, the Bible goes on to say he, that it does not work in the counsel of the wicked. I don't know how many of us have ever tried to figure out that word counsel. The word counsel can be an advice or the word counsel can be a firm direction to follow. And when I say firm direction to follow, when you talk in legal terms, a counsel is a strong word that is given by which you must comply. A counsel. That is why, have you not noticed, another name for lawyers is what? Legal counsel. I don't think there's anything legal that you have choices about. When the, if God says, thou shalt not kill... Because it's the law of God, you think God will forgive. No problem. The law does not forgive. When you kill and the law finds out, the law operates by the, by the principle of an eye for an eye. And that is why you will notice that when somebody kills, the law will usually say, so that this person does not kill another, we put them away somewhere without the possibility of parole. And if you are going to parole them, we parole them when they are 92. By that time, it is difficult for that person to harm another person. Are we together? So the word counsel there means the opinion or the instruction that is given in directing the judgment of somebody. Now, what do I mean by that? The Bible says, do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now, who is the wicked? The Bible uses the word wicked in many ways. In fact, the Bible looks at the wicked as anybody that is evil either by principle or practice, that is devoid of morality, or that acts contrary 
to the divine law. And so when the Bible says, do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, the Bible is saying that blessed is the man who does not move along the evil direction given by dangerous people that are addicted to sin. I'll give you an example. You remember when Jesus told that parable, he said there was a man that was traveling and he called his three servants. And he gave one five talents, he gave one five, two, he gave them one. Remember? The Bible says the first two, they multiplied and the man was happy with them. And he says, thou what? Faithful. You remember? Good. Interesting enough, he did not call the other ones faithless. He said, thou wicked servants. But then anybody that is not productive in the eyes of God is wicked. Because then of all the investment that God has put there, it means that that person has refused to produce. So what the Bible is saying, and it behoves common sense, is that if somebody is giving you an advice, look at where they are. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Long ago, somebody wanted to give me an advice about my own marriage. But this is somebody that had married three times. And so I had no problem because by the grace of God, I'm gifted with politeness. So I listened. (laughs) I did not respond because my first question was, physician, heal yourself. How come you have not applied all these big principles that are so profound that you want to give me in your own marriage? Are we together? So when people are advising you, brethren, be careful. First of all, check where they are. So when you are walking with them, understand that what the Bible is saying is that blessed is that man. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, it says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are what? sons of God. There is a way that the Spirit of God directs a man to walk. Let me go to the next one. The Bible talks about standing. Stand meaning that we are beginning to linger. And I was actually quite interested because when the Bible talks about walking and standing, then you realize that there is a path that everybody walks. The Bible says that the path of the righteous is like the what? shining light. In fact, one translation puts it that the path of the righteous is like the, is like the dawn when the sun is just coming up and it's getting brighter and brighter. I remember long ago I was reading in the book of, I think it was Exodus, and suddenly they introduced Joshua on the scene, and you could just notice that this was a rising star that was coming up. And so when the Bible says in Psalm 16, it says, you make me know the path of life. When you know the path of life yourself, it is difficult for anybody else 
to direct you otherwise. When you know the path of life yourself, in fact, there was one particular last psalm. Let's read it together, Psalm 23. The Bible says in Psalm 23 that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It makes me to do what? To lie down in green pastures. Then let's go on. In part of what? No, let's stop with that. It leads me in the path of when the Bible says, My son, when people entice you to do evil, say, Don't listen. The Spirit of God will never direct you to do evil. The Spirit of God will never direct you to stand on iniquity. Are we together? When you see somebody that is always looking for ways to beat a system, be careful. It's called wisdom. Uh, there is a wisdom of the wise that takes them to perish. When people, because I have to put this very straight, are always encouraging you to do things that your conscience is constantly telling you is not right. Brethren, the Bible gives advice. It's a flea. I'm telling you the truth. And the reason you need to flee is because of number three. The minute you start sitting with people, sooner or later you begin to understand their point of view. Oh, it's the truth. Oh, okay, let me give you, let me, I'll give you one or two examples. Far back in the 90s, when you hear that they killed five people in a particular country in the world, you won't be able to sleep for three days. Yes or no? Now, when you hear that 70 people died, don't you sleep? You heard it over and over and over again. You've been desensitized. In fact, I'll give you another example. The Bible talks about that righteous man, Lot. You remember Lot went and lived amongst unbelievers. Remember? When he got there, the Bible tells us that day by day, Lot was, he didn't like what was happening. But unknown to Lot, it might not have affected Lot, it had affected his children. And so when they came and said, we saw some men come inside here. Because some of you think that some of those things started now, they didn't start now. Lot had girls, but they said, no, 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 we don't want your girls. We saw some men. Send us those men. I can imagine Lot had been seeing that every single day of his life, but it didn't bother him until he came to his doorstep. Brethren, sometimes sin does not bother you until it comes to your doorstep. Oh, we are talking about all these things now. It may not bother you. God forbid your son, your daughter, that is the way I want to go. You begin to pray. So when we say let's pray now, people think it's their problem. Are we, are we together? But then Solomon said, I have seen a thing under the sun. 
If I saw them on so many things under the sun. <laughs> ah, praise the Lord. You know, one of the times when I think of heaven, I always think about Solomon as somebody that I like to meet in person. <laughs> and I'll say, sir, all these things you wrote, was it after your wives and concubines? Was it after? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But then, you want to learn, make a mistake. You will learn quickly. The problem with that kind of learning is that uh, sometimes you never recover from it. When other people are telling you experiences, you better listen. Because when we say that experience is the best teacher, it is the harshest of teachers. Somebody says, you know, (laughs) in those days they will say, don't put your hand on hot stove or even stove at all. Pardon? A lamp, anything, anything that brings fire. They will say, don't put your hand. Uh, when they are not there, what do you do? You first of all put your hand over it. And then after that, you do what? You touch it and then you remove your hand. And the thing doesn't feel bad. Finally, when you put your hand, God help you, shout. And they will say, Why are you shouting? But then don't wait until it happens to you before you learn. And so when the Bible says, Don't stand with unbelievers. Don't stand with sinners. Don't go along their path. The Bible knows what he's talking about. And that is why the psalmist prayed. He said, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a straight path. It says again, Proverbs chapter 4. It says, I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you doing along the straight path. Brethren, there is enough here that you can understand that me and you need to evaluate every now and then what am I gaining from this relationship. I once had a friend and my friend was very, very Christian. And my friend was so Christian that my friend would tell you anytime that something happens, he said you can't understand that it is very deep spiritual matters. And those deep spiritual matters, we began to understand later what they meant. I just knew something was wrong. My friend once told me, he didn't tell me, actually he told somebody close to me, he said, have you realized that everybody that God loved had more than one wife? I said, where are you going with that? <laughs> he said, God loves men with multiple wives. I said, in this day and age? Ah, he said, it's a deep spiritual matter. <laughs> but then, do not stand, walk, or sit. If you listen to that enough, you begin to search your Bible for every friend of God. And the only example you will have is David. You will have other examples. 
Abraham. You will have other examples. Solomon. That this man that had God knows how many. God gave him wisdom. But you forget that the wisdom was before the foolishness. Abraham, Solomon made a mistake. When he asked God for wisdom, he asked God for wisdom in only one particular direction. Wisdom to lead the people. But he didn't have wisdom to lead himself. Better you can't lead people until you lead yourself. That is why you need to be careful. When you don't see people leading themselves properly, don't let them lead your children. Don't let them be close to your wife. Don't let them be close to your husband. They will lead them in different directions. Number three, because of time. He said, don't sit. I talked about walking is temporary, standing is intermediate, sitting is permanent. And the Bible is very clear. He said, do not sit in the seat of the scornful. Who are the scornful? Those are the people that ridicule and make light of everything that God has said. Genesis chapter 3. He said, did God really say? There are some discussions that once they come up, you know it's time to go. Does a husband do this? You know it's time to go. They're going to help you. Does your wife do this? You know it's time to go. I have seen and I've heard all sorts of stories. Somebody will say, my own house, that can never happen. Really? The last time I came to your house, what I saw is not what you are telling me. You know, I'm just like my master. He said, I come like a thief in the night. <laughs> and so, occasionally, I still like visiting people unannounced. Either you're in Canada or not. I just unannounced myself. It's always interesting. You press somebody's bell. It takes them five minutes to open the door. And then I wonder. Maybe they're just quickly sweeping the... <laughs> Are we together? And it's the same thing I always wonder. How is my life prepared spiritually for God to visit me? Or am I waiting for God to announce and then I prepare? Or am I prepared all the time? The Bible says, watch and pray. I've told this story before. There was a time when I lived in certain parts of Nigeria that thieves will write, write you a letter that they want to visit you. Some of you might be around that time. And there's this I don't even know what you call it now. It's like a shotgun. The one that you put pellets and you do... And then you shoot it. That gun can never kill anybody. Because it has pellets. The pellets will just go inside your skin and they will just stay there forever. And when you take x-ray like this, they just see that you are loaded with pellets. (laughs) My father had one. But as a young boy, I thought the gun was a good gun. So the minute they wrote us a letter that they are visiting us, suddenly my father brought out his gun. The gun had rusted. He brought it out. 
And then he went out and started shooting it. I said, what is that for? He said, to scare them away. It was until I became older that I realized that time God, they didn't come. Somebody will come with AK-47, you come with that shotgun, they will finish all of us. <laughs> Are we together? Brethren, you need to understand when the Bible says, having done all, you stand, you prepare with the right weapons. I don't know what happened to that gun, I don't care. It's not the kind of thing I pray to inherit. But you understand that when the Bible talks about sitting, one of the greatest things that the Bible, the word to sit comes up most in the scripture about Jesus sitting on the right hand of God. Multiple times. Is he sitting permanent or not? It is. It says, and is now seated on the right hand of God. When the Bible talks about sitting with discomfort, the Bible is talking about the things that you have changed in your behaving as a result of your association with scornful people. Let me go back to Eve again. Eve, the devil told Eve, he said, it is not true. How dare you say something God has said is not true? Did I succeed in casting doubt in the heart of Eve or not? He did. Oh, brethren, I don't know about you. There are people that when you sit next to, by the time you are living, you are no longer a Christian. I'm telling you the truth. It will take the grace of God to read your Bible after that. I used to know a man. He was so knowledgeable about scripture. But he did not understand. Because the Bible says that the code of the letter, of the letter, it kills. He said, but the spirit of the letter is what makes a life. When I quote a passage, before I get to the middle, he finishes it. It was one of those times I learned when the apostle Paul says that we should not bother to argue. The more I argue, the more I show I'm more ignorant than he is. When you sit with people, you tend to eat with them. When you eat with people, according to Jewish tradition, eating is a deeper form of friendship. And when you eat with them, it is one of those areas where you actually enter into covenant with them. Brethren, be careful where you sit. Be careful who is speaking to you. In this 2022, there are so many theories going around. Everybody has a theory. It is not strange. Even the Bible says it. And when you come together, everybody will say, I have this. Everybody will say, I have that. Even in the church of God, everybody has a theory. What does your Bible say? If you can only focus on what your Bible says, and you say, it doesn't matter what anybody else says, I will listen to what God says. Let God be true. You know, interestingly, I'll just put this out for you. Interestingly, the letters, let God be true, is what? 
LGBT. That's what the letters stand for. Let is the L, God is the G, B is the B, right? And two, LGBT. Most of you know what, the, what people have turned it into now. When God is true, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. When Noah was called to build an ark, the Bible says everybody scorned him and said, what are you doing? He said, no. God has said, he said, I will do it. But then do you dare stand alone? Do you dare sit alone sometimes? Do you dare walk alone? There are times you need to walk alone. There are times you need to sit how? Alone. There are times you need to sit, be by yourself so that the Spirit of God can speak. I'm not sure what companion each of us have. But in 2022, you need to reevaluate certain things. I will end with this quick story. I envisage in the book of Genesis that Joseph belonged to a group of maids. When he's going to the market, he sees them standing at the corner. He passes by and he waves. When he's coming back, they're still standing there. He refuses to walk with them, to stand with them. They say, let us tell you how we are doing it. I have been a maid for 27 years. The other one has been a maid for 40 years. That you want to prosper, let us tell you how we are doing it. He says, no, God will tell me how I will do it. Eventually, one of them wanted to tell him one day that, you know, for your information, your madam may come after you. You better go after madam. That is what you guarantee your longevity in this house. And Joseph being who he is, he says, God forbid, unknown to him, God was warning him ahead. This is the story according to Adenuga now, so you won't find it in the scriptures. <laughs> because some of you now will say it's not in your scripture like that. This is the story according to Adenuga. Uh-huh. So now Joseph, you know, when God wants to warn you ahead sometimes, he allows even an unbeliever to speak. But because Joseph had heard, when it eventually happened, Joseph thought, ah, is this where I want to be in 40 years? Is this where I want to have my own children? Is this where I want my children to grow? So what did Joseph do? He ran. Because he refused to walk with them. He refused to sit with them. He refused to stand with them. Do you think they laughed at Joseph or not every day? Look at him. He doesn't know the way. He's not applying wisdom. I can imagine when Joseph now got to the palace. I can imagine what they will say. I can imagine Joseph saying, send for that maid that has been there for 40 years. I want to see him. Before he comes, he will be dead in spirit. He said, maybe the thing that I said, he wants to punish me for it. Are we together? But then there's a future ahead of you. Don't let anybody's 
talk you out of that future. Don't let anybody direct you in the path that God has not chosen for you. Don't let anybody tell you what God will never support. In 2022, God is going to promote the righteous. All you need to do is to stand with him and stand alone.